Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Oh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know. Murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! Hey guys, this is uh, editing Ebony here, and I feel the need to put this in a hundred percent for anyone who hasn't actually seen the film clip for that song. I urge you to watch it at least once. That shit is terrifying. <laughs> Think of the boat ride from the original Charlie and the Chocolate or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mixed with two grown men piggybacking each other and zooming in on their over-exaggerated faces saying, oh yeah. And then for whatever reason, throw in a little girl in a sparkly dress. That That is that film clip. It is weird. It is really fucking weird. 1987 clearly was a weird fucking time. Because <laughs> what the hell is that film clip? Look, I, I had to get that in there. But enjoy. Here's the intro, and enjoy the episode. <laughs> Bye, guys. I don't know what it is about that song, but I could listen to it all day, and I kind of want it to just be like the song that follows me around, like <laughs> the song of my life, which is stupid because it's a ridiculous song. But with that being said, <laughs> cue the intro music. <laughs> You're only given a little spark of madness. Followed Mr. Carpenter, what he saw couldn't have been a dream. It was too real, but it couldn't have been true either. It was too deliciously frightful. Frank at yesterday. Old times are only good when you've had them. That after night, all alone, daddy's all pent up, let's freak! Third irrational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Film Spark Pod. This week we're doing Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, this this movie, I love this movie so much. So, so much. Absolute classic. But, in case you didn't know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a 1986 American teen comedy written and co-produced and directed by John Hughes and co-produced by Tom Jacobson. 
The film stars Matthew Broderick, Mia Sara, and Alan Ruck, with supporting roles by Jennifer Grey, Jeffrey Jones, Cindy Pickett, Edie McClurg, and Lyman Ward. It tells the story of a high school slacker who skips school with his best friend and his girlfriend for a day in Chicago and regularly breaks the fourth wall to explain his techniques and inner thoughts. First of all, if you've never seen or heard of this film, what are you doing? Stop listening to this. Go watch it right now. 100% worth it. <laughs> 100%. But if you have seen it, I mean, how can you not love this film? It's such a light-hearted, easygoing teen, I suppose, rom-com in a way. It's just a lot of fun. You get... Ferris Bueller played by Matthew Broderick, which is the best casting decision. No one could have played this role better than he did. This this role was made for Broderick. It was so good. And then having Alan Ruck as his best friend and, you know, the juxtaposition between the two friends. So you've got Ferris Bueller who takes every day as it comes and wants to live life to the fullest and be rambunctious and, and excited and you know, happy-go-lucky teen mixed with his best friend Cameron who's, you know, depressed, thinks the world is after him, has abusive parents, doesn't want to do anything but slay in bed all day. And then you put these two best friends together for the film as they go and absolutely... I don't know what to say. They, they absolutely just kill the day off. They do everything you could possibly do on a day off and more. And just seeing how they both react to different situations and seeing how Cameron is like a voice of reason for Ferris. Cameron's the little angel on his shoulder. And it's just really interesting to watch such a juxtaposition of two different characters in a film. And a film that's not so serious either. A lot of those sorts of films you tend to get, you know, you know, a, a very serious storyline and, you know, there's a purpose at the end, which don't get me wrong, I, I do think there is somewhat of a purpose at the end of this, um, especially seeing Cameron's transition throughout the film. But... It's nice to see this in such a happy-go-lucky film. And to think that they took fuck all time to make this. I mean, the screenplay. The screenplay was written in less than a week. Filming began in September 1985 and finished in November. Like, it's absolutely insane. And ultimately, take out everything this film Overall, is a love letter to Chicago. It has so many landmarks and it's ultimately just one big advertisement for Chicago, but in a really good way. It's not shoving everything down your throat and saying, come here. It's like, this is Chicago. This is what we have to offer. You know, they even said, um, Hughes, who wrote the screenplay, even said it is a love letter to Chicago. I really wanted to capture as much of Chicago as I could, not just in the architecture and landscape, but the spirit. And I think he did that. I think he did it really, really well. 
you know, you've got the baseball stadium, you've got the Sears Tower, you've got um, the Art Institute, you know, even just the parade showing how the community and city gets together to, you know, dance and sing along for something ridiculous. Um, but yeah, this, this film is just a lot of fun, you know, and, and ultimately in the end, like you, you're wanting, well, you're not wanting, but you're watching this and well, yeah, you're, you, especially as a teen, you're watching this wanting to be Ferris and his friends. You're wanting to be the teenagers that say, you know what, fuck it, I don't want to go to school today. It's a beautiful day. Why am I being made to go to school and essentially not learn anything when I can be out enjoying myself? Because why wouldn't you want to do that? You know, setting up some ridiculous elaborate rig in his bedroom so every time someone opens the door or pushes the doorbell, there is an automated message or it seems like someone is sleeping in his bed just to cover his ass. Or, you know, the principal, Ed Rooney, played by Jeffrey Jones, is even that was cast really, really well. As much as I can't stand the guy, but if you've listened to a past episode, you'll know why. But um, it's just this whole movie for such a short film, short in relation to how fast it was made. It's just made really, really well. With a budget of $5 million and a $70.7 million box office release is just absolutely insane. I mean, the film received acclaim from critics and audiences alike who praised Broderick's performance, the humour and the tone. As it's well deserved. And in, as of 2014, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress being deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. The film was followed by a television series starring Charlie Shatler as the title character and a spin-off titled Sam and Victor's Day Off, focusing on the two valets who took Cameron's father's Ferrari on a joyride, is in development as we speak for Paramount+. Plus. That is so exciting. <laughs> I didn't actually know that before making this. That's actually really exciting. I think that's a great idea. You don't have to worry about tarnishing the performances. You don't have to worry about trying to make a fantastic film that's to the same league and level as Ferris Bueller's Day Off because you've got these two buffoons that take the car that belongs to his best friend Cameron. You know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Going back to the main film, a huge part of the film is Cameron and Ferris take Cameron's dad's car, which is a Ferrari. It's Cameron's dad's pride and joy. It's everyone's going to be dead if something happens to it sort of car. And they leave it in a parking garage. (laughs) They leave it in a parking garage with like five bucks to some random buffoon of a valet parker. 
which I don't even... It says here that they're valets who took at Cameron's father's Ferrari. I thought they were, like, workers, like, um, like mechanics. Because they looked a lot more like mechanics than they did valets in the film. But anyway. And, you know, you've got this whole side plot of, like, these two going off driving the car around Chicago and other places while the kids are roaming the streets. Only to come back and be none the wiser that it even happened until they realise the speedometer's changed. And I think to make a spin-off movie about those two characters is absolutely fantastic. Because you don't need you you're not held at that same level as you were if you were to make a direct sequel to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because it doesn't really have anything to do with the kids. You're not focusing on them. You're focusing on these two valets. But um, anyway, <laughs> I highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen this to go see it. It is a lot of fun. You see Chicago, you know, you see some brilliant performances in relation to acting. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, you've got the main storyline of the kids, you know, completely just roaming Chicago and, and having the time of their life. You've got the side story of the principal who's trying to catch Ferris in the act that he's skipping school. Which, mind you, I don't know any teacher who would do that. Like, we had teachers that would roam, like, the borderline of the school to see if kids were, like, along the fence line or coming in and out of the school wagging or skipping school, depending on where you're from. But I don't know a teacher or a principal or dean, as he's called in the film, to go out and physically go to the kid's house to see if he's there, then go through the doggy door of said house to get in and break into the home to see if Ferris Bueller is there. Like, what? That is fucking insane. Why are we doing this? Why are we breaking and entering into a teenager's home? What the fuck? <laughs> but, and then, like, the side, side, side line story <laughs> of the valets driving the car. Like, there's all so, there's so much to unpack in this film. And then to have... Matthew Broderick breaking that fourth wall every now and then to talk to the audience. It's just a piece of resistance. It's just, it's perfect. It suits this film so well because it adds to that cheeky character. It adds to the, well, I'm the main character. I'm the lead character. You guys are going to, you know, follow me around. I'm the amazing one. Like it's got that cocky attitude to it. And that's what Ferris is. He's cocky. He's a cocky teen. But he's lovable. And there's just there's so much to love about this film. So much to love. But um, rather than, you know, listening to me repeat myself saying, I love this film so much, over and over and over, <laughs> I'm going to leave it. Thank you so much for listening in again. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And thank you to all the really lovely messages that have come through to me saying, stress less about a schedule. I'm really hard on myself when it comes to this podcasting thing. And for those who don't know, I have three. I run three podcasts 
and I work full time. I am more than burning the candle at both ends. So I really appreciate it when you guys don't mind when I stick to a schedule and just release what I can when I can. Um, It really means the world to me that you guys stick around and are enjoying this podcast because I'm going to dive away from the, the review for a little bit here, but I was terrified to start this solo and I've had nothing but praise from you guys and I appreciate it so, so much. Believe me, I get it. I would prefer Jess with me as well. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'd prefer the banter and the conversation, but I appreciate that you guys are sticking around and enjoying the content, whether it be the film reviews or the mini series, which is currently Blair Witch or, you know, requesting I do darkness in the film industry series again. I appreciate it so much and it's the reason why I don't quit. So thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who supports. Thank you for listening. (laughs) I give this four, maybe even four and a half out of five stars and you'll hear from me again soon. Have a fantastic day and thank you for listening. Listening to the Film Spark podcast for all your film needs and more. Like what you heard? Give us a shot. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, Good Pods, and more. Or follow the socials at film underscore spark underscore pod. You know what? Just follow us on everything. Check out the link tree linktr.ee forward slash film spark pod. Find us, follow us, give us a shout. We always want to hear from you. You still here? It's over. Go home. Go.